in your Bibles this morning, would you turn with me to Luke chapter 7? Luke chapter 7. Last week we saw Jesus enter the town of Capernaum. And as soon as he entered, he encountered a man, actually uh, the several men, the elders of the town of Capernaum, who were coming on behalf of a Roman centurion. And they came requesting something for this Roman centurion, and that was that Jesus might go to his house and heal his servant, who is deathly ill. Jesus agreed to do this, and on the way, the centurion sent a servant out to Jesus and said, I'm not worthy for you to even come into my house. My house. Just say the word and my son will be well. Because I'm a man of, of authority. I have people under me. I, I have people over me. I tell the people under me, do something and they do it. And so I know that you are powerful enough. You have the authority to do this, to heal my son, even from a distance without even coming to my home. And Jesus remarked, one of the rare times that Jesus remarked on the amazing faith of a person. And he said, I have not found such faith, such great faith, not even in Israel. And the amazing thing about this man, not only his faith, but was who he was. He was a Gentile. And so faith, amazing faith, sprung up in an unlikely place in this Gentile centurion. Why? Because of the grace of God. Because of the grace of God. And then in demonstration of Jesus' power as the Son of Man, he said, go, your son will be well. And the servant came back and he found the servant well, or he found the servant of the centurion well, just as Jesus had said. Jesus' miracle working power on display. In that story, Jesus' power is on display, but really the focus of the attention of that story is on the centurion and his response of faith. And Jesus' comment on that response of faith, that it's such great faith that he had not seen even in Israel. In the story that we're going to focus on this morning, the attention turns back more focused on Christ himself, on his power, on his ability in this instance to raise the dead. Luke 7 verse 11 says, Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain. And his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bier. They were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Let's bow in prayer together. Father, we thank you that we have the time this morning 
during this hour to worship you, to sing songs of praise and adoration to you, to your son, to your spirit, the great three in one for all that you are and for all that you have done. Father, now in the next few minutes, as we reflect on your word, may our eyes be opened and our hearts softened to see and receive the truth that you have for us today. May your spirit teach and illumine our understanding. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Our culture today approaches death a lot differently than they did in the ancient world. A lot differently than they did in ancient Israel. Uh, a, A death like this, especially the death of a young man, the death of a widow, it was a time to come together and mourn. And to mourn as a community, to mourn publicly. And it wasn't just the mother or just the family who was mourning. Everyone mourned. Everyone grieved. Really, in the ancient world, at a death, they practiced what Paul says in Romans 12, weep with those who weep. They did. They, they wept with those who wept. They mourned. They lamented. They grieved. Jesus is on the road. He's coming from Capernaum to this small town called Nain. And it says that as they approached the town, there was a large crowd who was kind of a, a throng with Jesus. Jesus began to accumulate people around him during his ministry, through his teaching, but especially through his miracles. One like we just saw in the beginning of chapter seven, his miracles, he started to have more and more people who were curious, who were interested, who wanted to see who this man was. And so large crowds of people would move with Jesus wherever he went. And here, this large crowd is going with Jesus to this small town, Nain. It says, as they approached the town, they saw what, in our terms, would be a funeral procession. But it was their ancient funeral procession. There was no car, no vehicles, no hearse. But there was this raised kind of uh, platform, almost like a cot, if you will, uh, like a, a flat board. And on it would have been the dead son who was wrapped uh, probably like a mummy or something like that, wrapped in cloths, uh, already having been anointed with uh, oil. Perhaps they're on the way to bury him as they're coming out of the town gates. And so there's, there's a crowd of people coming out of the town with this young man, and he's accompanied by his mother, who is a widow. And the text tells us that it's her only son. In the ancient world, this was a very serious situation. No husband, and now her son is dead. She was uh, without a lifeline of support. She was without uh, the main source of security and income in her family. And it was a very tentative situation for a widow in the ancient world. They were dependent on others, the goodwill of others to care for them and to meet their needs. And so this widow has lost everything. You can imagine her grief as she walks out of this town. And it's that grief that Jesus sees. 
And it says in verse 13 that his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. And the first thing that Luke wants us to see in this passage about Christ is simply this, that he, uh, as the son of man, is a man of compassion. Luke draws our attention to that. He wants us to see that, that Jesus has a heart of compassion for people. Think about all of the times that Jesus was on his way somewhere and he was stopped along the way. His, his agenda, if you will, was quote unquote interrupted. Why was he going to nine? He was probably going to nine because he was going there to preach. He was going there to teach. He was going there to preach the kingdom of God. That was his ministry. Jesus said in Luke chapter four, here's my ministry to preach deliverance to the captives, to announce the good news, to proclaim deliverance the acceptable year of the Lord. And so Jesus was going to this town to preach, to teach the kingdom of God, that the, the time had come, the dawn of the Messiah had come. But as he's going there to teach and preach, he's interrupted. But Jesus' agenda, his plan is really never really interrupted, is it? Because his plan is secure, because his plan is the same as the father's plan. And that plan is to come and to accomplish the mission that the father sent him to do. And that includes not only teaching and preaching, but it also includes healing and showing compassion to people. And every time, every single time, I cannot think of one instance in the life of Jesus where he refused to heal someone. I cannot think of one. Every single time that someone came to him he stopped. He paused. His heart went out to them. He had compassion on them. He put his focus of attention on them. And he did for them what was within his power to do. And we know that that power was limitless, wasn't it? There's a lesson here for us. Because Jesus not only came to do something for us, he also came to show us how to live. Jesus came to show us how to live. Peter, in his letter, says we are to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. Jesus has left us an example that we should follow in his steps. Now, we can't be Jesus. We're not the Messiah. We don't have the miracle working power that Jesus had. But we can all, by the fruit of the Spirit who dwells within us, we all can have a heart of compassion, can't we? We can all have a heart of compassion. But how many times do we pass by on the other side of the road? Like in the parable of the Good Samaritan, the Levite and the priest, who they see someone who needs help, lying down, beaten, bruised, and they pass by on the other side of the road. They don't have time. It's too much trouble, too much cost. I don't want to get involved. Whatever the excuse, there are many times where we make that same excuse, don't we? I don't have time. I've got to do this. I, I, I don't want to get involved in this person's mess of their life. Who knows what else is going on? It's going to be a, a quagmire of stuff if I try to help this person. And we start making excuses and we just pass by. 
But Jesus is telling us, he's showing us here that, that we need to have a heart of compassion and we need to take notice of people and we need to pause and stop along the roadside, along the path of our life and pause and help people who are in need. Isn't that what John told us in 1 John chapter 3, that if someone says that they love God, but they see their brother or sister who has a need and they don't help them, John says, how does really the love of God dwell in that person? So we are to follow in the footsteps of Jesus by having a heart of compassion. And so Jesus stopped, he paused, he went up to this young man who was being carried out and he told everyone to stand still. Try to translate this, just the shock of it, try to translate it into our modern setting. Imagine someone standing on the side of the road seeing a funeral procession go by, all the cars in line, the hearse driving, all the cars behind following, and he gets out in the middle of the road and he stops the whole thing. He stops the whole procession, stops him in the middle of the road and says, open up the back of the hearse. Pull it out, open up the coffin. We would think that's insane, right? That's essentially, in the ancient context, what Jesus is doing here. This man's dead. He's, he's ready to be buried. They're on their way out of town to bury him. And Jesus says, stop the procession. Stop. And he says to the young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Jesus, in this story, demonstrates that the Son of Man has compassion. But in this story, he also demonstrates that the Son of Man has power. Compassion and power. The Son of Man has power to raise the dead. He sat up and began to talk. One of the things I love about Jesus' healings is that when Jesus heals someone, he heals them completely, doesn't he? He heals them completely. Like if he heals a lame man, that lame man doesn't have to go to rehab, right? That lame man doesn't have to go to rehab and learn how to walk again and and strengthen his muscles. He just gets up and walks. Here, he, he raises a man who is dead and he just sits up and starts talking like nothing ever happened. Jesus heals people. When he heals them, he heals them completely. He he doesn't just kind of sort of heal them and then they got to do the rest. No, he heals them completely, doesn't he? Maybe there's an analogy there to our salvation too. And that when Jesus saves someone, he doesn't just kind of save them and we got to do the rest. No, he saves us. He does it, doesn't he? He makes us whole. Jesus here makes this man whole. He makes him well and he sits up and he starts talking and he gives him back to his mother. And if some of the language here sounds familiar, it's because I think Luke is intentionally, the way he is framing this story, I think he's intentionally wanting us to think of the story from 1 Kings chapter 17. I think he's wanting us to think of that story with Elijah the prophet, the one that we read in the service a little while ago. 
Here is Elijah going to the widow of Zarephath. And first he provides food for her. It's a time of drought. There's a famine. There's no food. God sends Elijah to this woman and Elijah, by the power of God, supplies her needs the whole time that the drought is going on. But along the way, this widow's son dies. And she is bereaved and she is hurting. She's grieving and she cries out to Elijah, why has this happened? What trouble have you brought on me? And Elijah then goes to God and says, Lord, why did you let this widow's son die? Please, Lord, raise him up. Restore this son's life back to this woman. And he stretches himself out on top of the young man. Kind of like, just imagine this young man is lying on a bed maybe and and Elijah gets on top of him and kind of aligns himself with the, the body of the boy, nose to nose, chest to chest, feet to feet. And he lays on top of him and it says three times. And God heard his prayer and he was resurrected to life. There's another instance in the life of Elisha, the successor of Elijah in which Elisha also raises a young man back to life. And it too is a little bit odd in the way that it's described. Let's just say it involves a lot of sneezing. It's an unusual event and there's, there's some unusual circumstances along with it. Both Elijah and Elisha raise people back from the dead. But in both of those stories, the one with Elijah that we read in 1 Kings and the one with Elijah, Elisha a little bit later on, It's almost as if they have to go to great lengths and jump through hoops while calling on God to raise someone from the dead. But notice the contrast with Jesus. Jesus, in this story, does not even pray to God, to the Father. At least not recorded, not verbalized that we can tell from this story. Jesus doesn't lie down on top of the boy face to face, toe to toe. He doesn't do all these extra things that go along with it. Here's what Jesus does. He says, wake up. And he wakes up just like that. It's almost as if Jesus has the power within himself to raise someone from the dead. That's exactly what Luke wants us to see. He wants us to see by comparison, but also by contrast, that Jesus is like Elijah and Elisha, but Jesus is greater than Elijah and Elisha. He is a great prophet like Elijah and Elisha, but he is more than a great prophet, isn't he? In fact, the people have that response. In verse 16, it says, they were all filled with awe and they praised God. And they said, a great prophet has appeared among us. God has come to help his people. Their minds probably went back to Elijah and Elisha. Maybe their minds even went back to the book of Malachi, where Malachi the prophet said, before the day of the Lord, I will send my prophet Elijah to them. Maybe they're thinking, this is the great prophet This is the prophet of Deuteronomy 18, or maybe the Elijah, the prophet sent by that Malachi predicted. He is a great prophet. Indeed, he is. But that's not the whole story. 
he is like Elijah and Elisha. And I'm, I'm convinced that Elijah and Elisha and their ministries, they are intended by God and by the authors of those scriptures, they're intended to foreshadow the coming of the Messiah. And as you read the Gospels and you read the miracle accounts of Jesus, there are so many times when Jesus' ministry lines up with something in the ministry of Elijah or Elisha. They are forerunners, they're types of Christ, but the greater one was to come, wasn't he? And so Jesus Christ is more than a great prophet. He is the son of man. He is the eternal son of God who has the power within himself to raise the dead. Jesus told the people that in John chapter 10, he said, this commandment have I received from my father. I have power to lay my, my, lay my life down and I have power to raise it up again. Jesus had the power of his own life. Who has that? Only someone who is the son of God has that. Someone who is fully man, but yet also at the same time, fully God. Can say to a dead man without any jumping through hoops, without any extra effort, without even so much as verbalizing a prayer to God in heaven says, just get up. And he gets up. Or like in John chapter 11, when he cries through the, the stone in front of Lazarus's tomb and says, come on out. And he comes out. Jesus has the power of life because as he told Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Jesus Christ is more than a great prophet. He is the eternal son of God who has the power within himself to raise the dead. Not only physically, but spiritually. In John 5, Jesus says, there's a time coming and now has come in which the son of man will say to those who are dead, arise. Live, and they will live. And in that particular context of John 5, it's not talking about physical death. It's talking about spiritual death. That those who are dead, spiritually dead in trespasses and sins, that the Son of Man will say to them, live, and they will live. This same Jesus who has the power to raise a young man back to life who had been dead is the same Jesus who has the power to raise a dead sinner's heart. Doesn't matter how far, how wayward, how corrupt, how depraved, Jesus has the power to save and to make whole again a dead sinner's heart. And that's the only reason why you and I are here today. You and I are here. We're gathered in this place. We're sitting in these pews. We're singing these songs. We're listening to this message because Jesus spoke into our hearts and said, live. Jesus spoke into our hearts and said, get up. And they got up and they lived. And we saw for the very first time in our lives that Jesus is not just another name. It's not just another person certainly not something to be used in vain. 
but that Jesus is the Son of Man and the Son of God who is my Savior, my King, my representative before the Father's throne. Jesus makes people alive again because he has within himself the power to give life. So let me ask you the question. If I were to ask you, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus of Nazareth? Even though people would like to deny it, and people have attempted to say there was never even any such man as Jesus of Nazareth, the historical evidence is overwhelming. By both Christian and Jewish and Roman secular scholars alike and historians going all the way back to the first century, there was a man named Jesus of Nazareth. He lived, he breathed, he walked the dusty roads of Galilee and Judea. And the question that you have to answer is, is he this man, this person that Luke is describing in Luke 7 verses 11 through 17? Is he the person who not only has compassion on others, but is he the person who with just two words can bring life back to someone who is completely dead? Is Jesus the Son of God, your Savior, your Lord? That recognition, that the answer to that question, yes, I believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, who should come into the world. Jesus said to Peter, that doesn't come by flesh and blood. That comes when God reveals that to you from above. Have you yet been able to say, Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, who should come into the world? Have you professed your faith in his name? If so, then that is by the grace of God. If not, then I pray that the grace of God might be imparted to your hearts this morning. And the same resurrection power that raised this man from the dead will raise your dead heart from the dead and cause you to say, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's bow in prayer together. Our Father, we thank you for Jesus, the Lord, the Lord of heaven and earth, the one who had a heart of boundless love and compassion, who was never troubled by any sick or demon-possessed person, but stopped and helped paid attention to them, took notice of them, extended compassion and help to them. Thank you, Father, in this instance that Jesus stopped and helped a, young, helped a widow by raising her young son back to life again. And in so doing, not only demonstrated compassion, but demonstrated his power over everything in the created realm, including death itself. Father, we thank you for the life-giving power of your son, Jesus, who died for us, but then in triumph rose from the dead, took his life back, and now lives forevermore and sits at your right hand, having finished the work that you sent him to do. 
Father, we thank you and praise you for the power and the compassion of Jesus, the Son of Man and Son of God. And Father, if there is someone here this morning whose eyes have not yet been opened to believe and to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and their Savior, Father, I pray that your mercy and your grace would reach them today. And we pray this, Father, in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen.